Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of With Tamara Gondor. That's me. But I know what you're really here for. It's not me, and that's okay. It's for the everyday innovators from across the globe that we have on. People from all walks of life, different geographies, different ages, different experiences, different industries, different wants and desires. With a common thread, all of them that I interview and all of you out there is they're everyday innovators, meaning they think differently about what's right in front of them. They walk away from status quo. They they shift their perspective and their thinking and their approach to find those breakthrough ideas and those meaningful outcomes. And today's guest is going to be no exception to that. Let me tell you a little bit about her everyday innovator style so that we can get this conversation going. So Lizzie is an imaginative tweaker. That means the imaginative side is all about, think of it as innovation in the gaps. They do If you're imaginative, you do really well playing where nothing yet exists, where you actually have to create from scratch. Sometimes I know imaginatives because they get a little bored when you go into too much detail because they almost want to play in the spaces. And if you fill it in too much, there's no room for them to play. So that's the imaginative side. The tweaker side is all about iteration, editing, adjusting, evolving. I often recognize tweakers because when I'm done and moved on, they still want to make that one little adjustment, that one little thing. I also know that if I give someone who has Tweaker as their power trigger, a project that I started, that they're going to run with it in a way that I would have never imagined. It's going to be so good because they're so good at taking what kind of exists already and optimizing it. So the power in that combination of imaginative Tweaker is that Lizzie brings novel, optimized innovation to the table. So with that said, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you tell the world who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Tamara, so much for inviting me to be part of this podcast. I follow you um, and I, I watched you several years ago in person at one of the conferences and I was just um, just enamored with what you brought to the table. Innovation. Um, so sure. So my name is Lisa de la Garza Putnet. I was born and raised in Brownsville, Texas. So for those of you that are not familiar with the big, great state of Texas, it's the southern tip of Texas, border with Mexico. I uh, grew up in my, I grew up in Brownsville for the most part, lived in Mexico for a couple of years, and then we moved back to Brownsville. I, um, you know, g- growing up, I was one of those kind of, I guess ever since I was young, I was imaginative, just always dreaming, just always kind of what next, what more. Um, so it's funny that that, you know, when I did the, the test, that was my power. Um, but yeah, so I went to school in Brownsville. I graduated, went to college at Duke University. I I never thought I would get accepted, um, but I worked my behind off and I went on a scholarship. Um, once I was there, I majored in public policy. I thought I would never go back home because I wanted the big city life. And so, uh, but being away from my family, from my culture, from my community made me really realize how much I took it for granted and how much I love uh, where I come from and how much I really wanted to come back and make an impact where in my own backyard. So I moved back and ever since I've been back, um, since 2006, uh, I've been working both in the public and the private sector, which has given me, I'm very grateful for the opportunity because it's given me a lot of uh, perspective. 
And so I take all of my experiences and bring them. Um, and so I worked at the, I worked for commercial real estate, then worked for economic development at the city of Brownsville, then worked for a global corporation, Schneider Electric. And now most recently I work for a Titan Field, which is a small business in the oil and gas industry. And so um, it, it's a wide range of industries, but I think that has helped me grow not only as a person, but also helped me contribute more in my roles. Um, and then apart from my career, I just love being involved in the community. And so I, I'm part of various boards. Uh, that's my passion, giving back. I also have a, a three-year-old that's going on 30 and I'm married. So on my off time, I like to dance, uh, go running, fishing, hunting. Um, I just, I just, I'm very active. <laughs> I have a hard time sitting still. Yeah. So I have a question for you. So, uh, and and please don't be humble in answering because I know how incredible you are. Why do you think you've been able to not just jump industries, but kind of move your way up the ladder, get accepted to things, get hired for these really, really incredible jobs at very, I, I want to say really prestigious companies, like companies who are leaders in their field. That's probably the way to say it. Um, and obviously you're smart. Obviously you've got skills, but I think a lot of people have that too. But I think there's a kind of little things that set you apart. And I'm just, I'm curious from your perspective what that is. Sure. So I, I guess since I was little, um, I always thought, you know, you always have to give it a shot. And in my mind, mm-hmm. I, I told myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? They tell you no. I think a lot of times we fear failure, we fear rejection. And I think that holds us back from achieving our, our greater potential. Um, so ever since I was in, in high school and I was taking all those AP classes and I was you know, trying out for different things. And um, when I applied to Duke, my counselor told me, you're not going to get in. <laughs> you don't have the SAT score that they're asking for. You're not valedictorian. Um, and so luckily I had supportive parents that said, you know, we, we support you. And if that's where you want to go then give it a shot. And so, and I always told myself, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And if I don't make it, I have plan B, plan C, plan D. Uh, but I think since I was young and so in my different careers, I think one of the things is, is just being courageous um, and, and not letting that fear of failure stop me. There's this quote that I read once that I love, and it says, don't fear failure, fear the lack of progress. And well, so if you that. give yourself, yeah, I mean, so I really try to make that my motto in, in a lot of the things that I do, um, fear the lack of progress. And, and so that's where I allow myself the space to fail. And to be quite frank, I think that if you allow yourself that space to fail, then you're more bold in decisions and, and, and you're willing to take those courageous and bold steps. And so I think that's helped me a lot in, in my different career changes because, um, I mean, most recently I went from energy efficiency to oil and gas. So I did a whole 180. I went from go green to drill, baby drill. <laughs> um, and so it's a big change and it's scary, but I, but I think that it's just being, you know, confident in what you bring to the table and not being afraid of of, of these changes. I love that, that you should fear the lack of progress. Um, What a great reminder, just so well said to all of us, like when when we're afraid to go for something, that that fear should be, I mean, we always have fear, right? We just have to push through it. We always have to push through it, but that fear of, of standing still. And I don't know, for me, that's definitely, I, I have way more fear of being in the same place I am today, uh, tomorrow, like down in the future than I do about someone telling me no. And I always joke, Lizzie, it's so funny that 
because people always say to me, well, how did you do that tomorrow? Like, how did you get blah, blah, blah client? Or how did you launch this podcast? Or how did you? And I said, I was going to write a book one day with the title just being because I asked, because I feel like sometimes <laughs> you just have to ask, right? We're just too afraid. So what's a recent win or something that you're really proud of? Sure. So recently, the governor of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, appointed me to the Board of Regents for Texas State Technical College. Um, and, and I'm real excited, very, very grateful. Uh, and it's something that I am proud of because um, I, I'm very passionate when it comes to economic development, when it comes to education, workforce training, and really bridging the gap between all of them. I think that, um, you know, in today's age, a lot of students graduate high school and college and they're not prepared for the workforce. And in my previous career at economic development, where I interviewed over 300 employers locally, I learned from them that, you know, the kids were lacking soft skills, that, that some of the students were lacking technical skills. And so that really opened my eyes to realizing that, uh, and this is nothing against educators, uh, kudos to educators, but without private sector input without employer input bringing in um there's really it's really hard for an educator to know what employers are looking for and so uh tstc is a college that's focused completely on making sure that when students graduate they have jobs lined up and so um our the funding model is completely based on outcomes and performance and making sure that students have good paying jobs so when i have uh when i was given this opportunity to join the board i really We've got 10 campuses throughout Texas, and we represent about um, about 11,000 students. Um, but I, I'm overjoyed, um, and I'm really excited to see what impact I can bring. And so, um, you know, a lot of times we go about our days, and, and, and so it was it was really great to see that you know, Governor Abbott recognizes uh, some of you know the effort and the passion um, and, and the longing to, to want to make an impact when it comes to to uh, technical education and preparing students for for the workforce. So, you know, what's interesting about that to me, Lizzie, is I think there's a lot of conversation about how employers need to figure out what the next generation of workforce coming in, how they operate. And I'll give you a story in a minute around that. And I think that's important. But it didn't ever occur to me like, hey, maybe the private sector, maybe the business leaders should have some input in what those skills are. Um, and I'll share a quick story with you that I, I, I thought was so fascinating. I was at the gas station. And I handed the woman, I was, I don't know what I was buying, a soda or something, probably an energy drink that I shouldn't have been drinking, probably something like that. And I handed her 20 and she gave me some change, but she couldn't count the change. She didn't know how to count the change. And at first I was over there judging this girl. I was like, oh my God, like, you don't know how two quarters make 50 cents, honey. Like, let's move it along. But then I realized something. She doesn't deal with cash because she is 20 years old and cash is not a thing of like, you know, I'm 49. I'm like, I'm all about the money. Like you handed me a hundred. I'm the most excited person in the world. Like, oh my God, I have cash. But for the younger generation, like they don't even operate in cash. So she didn't know how to count it because she has some experience with it. But, uh, but that's like one side of like, how do we manage people who have changed fundamentally, right? Their world has changed. We're digital. But I love what you're saying on the other side too, and how important marrying the two are. I'm wondering what are, like, if you were to rattle off some of the top skills that those interviews, that came out of those interviews, what were they and were there any that surprised you? Sure. So, so they're really, um, there's the, the soft skills and then the hard skills. Um, the hard skills are more like your technical skills. And so in a lot of my interviews with employers, a lot of it was in the manufacturing sector. And so it was those, um, you know, robotics. It was some of your, your higher skilled welding. 
It was the true technical skills. Yeah. um, People being able to read blueprints, people being able to fix machines. And a lot of times what employers were saying was that they had to import talent from the Midwest. And so that created the conversation of, you know, we need to grow our own. We need to have a, you know, we talk about supply chain. Um, Well, we need to have a talent supply chain, a pipeline of students and and make sure that from middle school and and the state of Texas has done a great job in terms of career pathways and preparing students for careers. And so, but I think that conversation needs to continue happening. So those are some of the skills on the technical side. Um, The other side is the soft skills. And the soft skills, you know, this is something that I was blown away by because those are things that you typically think that you learn at home. You know, your your bedside manners, uh, being punctual, being on time, uh, being courteous. Um, um, A lot of times I heard that, you know, the the newer generation, um, there was some entitlement uh, attitudes. Um, There were some communication barriers. I I think part of it's technology. Um, We're so used to texting and not fully there was um a lack of conflict resolution you know um working in teams and so all of these things are are soft skills and and some of these things that we learned at home um but we're we're noticing that um again there's a gap there and so uh, again the state of texas governor abbott the texas workforce commission they've done a great job to implement and the school's soft skills into embedded into education. But those are some of the things that I heard uh, that were most prevalent. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I think we could have a whole conversation just about workforce development alone. And I'm with you about thinking of it as a supply chain and going young and saying, how do we teach these skills early so that when the next generation, next generation come in, every, everybody's prepared and everybody has what they need. So I love that you do that. Um, tell me about a time that you did something where you thought differently, created a breakthrough, leveraged that imaginative tweaker side of you. Sure. So most recently in, in this new um, job, uh, I started in January with Titan Fuel. And so my role there is executive director of marketing and public relations. Um, I love that this role did not exist before. So I've got, you know, full range and flexibility to kind of create it. Um, but one of, in the, in the same way that it was exciting, it, it's also a little bit, it's challenging because there's no go-to, there's, there's no blueprint, there is no like framework, everything was just start from scratch. Um, but again, being the imaginative, you know, it, it was exciting for me. But, I was going to say, that's um, perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, it was very exciting. Um, you know, I, I personally hate when people say, but we've always done things this way. This is how it's always been done. Oh my God. But it's like nails on chalkboard. I hate it when I hear that. Um, like, and with <laughs> the point to that comment. Um, so for me, one of the challenging things, um, so yeah, it, it was challenging in terms of like starting something from scratch. But um, one of the things that we did is we, we talk about the three pillars. We had a strategic planning with management team. I wanted to really understand the company goals of the company. And so through that strategic planning, I really came up with, okay, so the company is really, there's three pillars that make Titan feel. And um, on the one side, it's, it's fueling our clients, which is, you know, our bread and butter. We export fuel to Mexico. So it's fueling our clients. On the other pillar, it's fueling our employees. Um, everybody, every business owner knows, every entrepreneur knows that without good quality people, you know, your company is only as good as its people. So how do we fuel our employees? And then the, the third pillar was fueling our community. Um, the company, you know, being a small business with ownership and management from South Texas, you know, our roots grow deep. And so there's this really 
there's this longing to give back to the community. So the three pillars, feeling our clients, feeling our employees, feeling our community. Well, one of my, I think, challenges was, okay, what does that exactly look like? And what does it mean? I mean, it sounds great, right? I mean, I'm marketing and branding. Oh, we're fueling our community, right? Well, what exactly does that mean? And so, um, you know, we started with your typical, you know, when you you donate, you give back to the community through all the different nonprofits and charities. Uh, but again, being the imaginative, I'm like, okay, what more? What else can we do? There has to be more that we can do versus just write checks, you know, which are very helpful because you help on their mission. Uh, but what else can we do? And so one of the things in talking, and, and, and I'm very grateful for, you know, great leadership in the company. Um, I, I went to the leadership and, you know, I asked, what if we started a Titan Fuel volunteer program where, you know, if, if the company can afford to give one day out of the week, we allow employees to go volunteer in the community. Um, the company pays them a full day's worth of work and they're out there volunteering. And so if there's days, for example, if, if we run out of fuel because we've already sold everything, well, instead of not paying employees because we run out of product or instead of paying them to be home, what if we pay them? We keep fueling them. But in doing so, we're also fueling the community. Um, and we're allowing our employees to get the opportunity to volunteer. Uh, many people, it's not the lack of will, it's just lack of time. And some people don't have the chance to volunteer because they depend on that paycheck. But if Titan Fuel is able to make sure that they're getting paid and then also take them out in the community. And so it's been awesome. We started this in April. So it's a very, it's a very new it's an infant, uh, pretty much. But just in April, we've been able to volunteer over 2,000 hours. That's incredible. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited because as someone who has volunteered, has served on a lot of boards of directors, I see how much need there is. Um, and one thing that I tell people is you don't have to wait to have a fancy title. You don't have to be an elected official to do good. There is some, there is good that we can all do in the community. Just look around and you will see how much need there is. And so employees, some of them for the first time have volunteered. Um, and, and there's this, there's this perspective that changes. There is a sense of gratitude. Um, you know, you appreciate what you have because you see how much need there is. And there's this also, it's very rewarding to be able to give back. Um, there's this quote that I love by Winston Churchill. It says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Oh, I love um, that. Thing that I also carry, you know, deep with me. And so this is something that it was a challenge because it's never been done before. How do you figure it out? You know, um, you know we, we have a big group of team going out into different nonprofit organizations. Um, but it, it's something that, you know, luckily, again, I've got management and leadership that kind of give me free reign and, and, and let me be imaginative and creative. And so it was a little bit scary at first. I'm like, what are this flops? And it works out horribly. Um, but again, just kind of, you know, not being afraid to fail and, and, and really exploring those uh, other opportunities. But to your point earlier, right? You're being more afraid of lack of progress than the fear of that failure of it succeeding or not. You know what I love, Lizzie, about this story? So first of all, let me just say kudos to you for making this happen. I love that you gave people in your company an opportunity to volunteer in a little bit of a more innovative way. So it's not like, hey, go sign up to be on the board or sign up to donate, you know, and, and get super involved. Because I think you do that, I do that. But I think it's very overwhelming for a lot of people, particularly if you are really working Monday through Saturday consistently, right? And or Monday through Friday, whatever it is. So I love that you gave them a chance to be in their community in little nuggets, right? Like it makes it accessible to people who maybe couldn't 
afford the time or the energy or just were too overwhelmed by like, what do I even do? Because that's, that's what kept me from volunteering for a long time. It was like, what do I even do? The other thing I love about this, okay, this is what I love about this, is you said it a few times. You said, so I said, what's more? Like you kept asking what's more. And what a great question to ask ourselves to get to those places with those really breakthrough solutions and those ideas. Like you just came up with the volunteer of, all right, well, what's more that we could do or what's more that we could create? Um, And the power of that question alone and what it led you to is amazing. Yeah, it's it's a very exciting, um, you know, just hearing it from the organizations and we're doing different kinds of organizations where we're helping out, hearing it from them. They're saying, you know, the team has been so valuable. Uh, you know, we are so grateful. And then hearing it from, from our employees, you know, the opportunity, they're grateful for the opportunity too. You know, it, it kind of reminds me, and I just want to throw this lesson out to all of us. I've got my little pen out now because I'm like, I feel the need to write, but I'm talking. Is, um, you know, we all have these mantras in our business. And it's funny timing. I was just looking at the values and the personality of Launch Street this morning. And you had talked about like fuel client customers, fuel employees, right? Fuel, fuel community. The idea of like, it, there's a really incredible space for innovation and, and different types of thinking. If you take all those mantras that you have in your business and ask yourself, like, how are we really doing this? How are we really living this? What's more we could be doing? So what a great space for a lot of us who are like, I don't know, I'm not sure where to apply innovation or thinking differently in my business. Maybe just take all those mantras that exist across your business, your values, your brand promise, your whatever it is, right? And ask yourself kind of what Lizzie did, which is like, well, how, how does this really come to life? And then what's more we can do? So I think that's a challenge that we should all take on and see what we come up with. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. 
howdypuppy.com, promo code Tamara. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Um, I want to flip it for a second and ask you, what's a challenge that you faced and how have you overcome it? So there's been different challenges here in in terms of, um, you know, with with, with this job. I think with the um, previous job that I was at with Schneider Electric, um, one of the challenges was really um, differentiating ourselves from our competitors. We we faced some stiff competition. Um, And so it was, it was again, like, so just to get kind of give some context, you know, we did energy efficiency projects and we found ways that we could save clients um, dollars through energy savings. Um, and then we use those savings to do projects. Um, you know, for a lot of people, energy savings, it, it doesn't tickle their heart. I'm like, okay, great. We're energy efficient. Right. Um, so it, it's not, it doesn't have like, you know, it doesn't grip at your heart. It, it's not sexy. And so uh, one of the challenges was, okay, how, how do we, there's so much noise in the industry. How do we differentiate ourselves from our competitors that are selling pretty much the same thing that we're selling, the same kind of projects, you know, where we're going to help you save money in lighting and HVAC and controls. And so it's, they're hearing the same thing. Um, so I, I think the challenge was kind of going back to, okay, what, what, what more, what more, um, you know, if they're not tickled by energy efficiency. Wh- wh- why not understand what, what moves them? What is their overall mission? What actually moves them? What are they dreaming of? And so it, we had to kind of dig in and like me, I was in sales. And so I had to really dig in deep and, and ask these prospective clients, you know, it, it, you know, if, if I was Amazon, <laughs> what would you want? You know, what would be in your cart of things that you would want for your school district, for your city, for your county, for your university, which were the, the industries that I worked with. Um, and it's funny when, when you, you know, take out these parameters and these boundaries that sometimes we're, we, we put ourselves in, um, they, they start, the, the conversation starts flowing. And then I start connecting the dots. Okay, so example, so CTE, career and technology education, that's very important to you. Okay, what else? Okay, special education is very important to you. Um, athletic facilities, you know, um, a lot of times students are driven by athletic facilities. And so you've got some amazing athletic facilities and you're going to bring more students. So you start understanding, okay, and then you, you might ask, well, how, what does that have to do with energy efficiency, right? It's like completely, like you start connecting the dots. And so I start, my messaging was, okay, if I can help you achieve, if I can help you find money in your budget for these athletic facilities, if I can help you find money in your budget to contribute to our special aid, if I can help you find money in your budget for teacher bonuses, whatever XYZ is, um, it's money that you didn't have. But if I can help you save money in this operational budget through energy savings, well, guess what? That frees up money. Um, so it was a challenge because, you know, you, you, you had to really dig deep um, in sales. Those are, those people that are in sales know the rejection. There, there is constantly rejection. <laughs> and I had to tell myself, and we had, you know, great managers and they would tell me every no gets you closer to a yes. Um, the other one was, it's not a no, it's not now. So there was a lot of positive self-talk throughout these, you know, I'd be driving to the next place. There was some cold calling and I had to really, it helped me develop, um, thick skin (laughs) and, um, not take it personal. Um, but, but again, it was challenging because there was, there was people that, you know, some of my competitors had been in the industry for 20, 30 years. And so I, I was with the company for six years. So how do I compete with someone that, you know, has three times the amount of, so again, that challenge, but, but turning it back to, well, what 
listening, listening to the clients, listening to their wishes and really driving that home. So this is such an important conversation, Liz, and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know how you're going to answer, of course, when I ask these questions, but that's that experience and that story is so powerful. And I'm so thankful that you shared it because first of all, there's some real tactical nuggets in there that I want to talk about in a second, but, but bigger than that, I think, uh, we miss the opportunity to connect people's hearts when we think that we're not in sexy or cool industries. And 99.99% of us are not working at Apple and Southwest, right? Or something like, uh, actually, and I would argue that Southwest has made, has brought heart to airlines in an industry that like none of us feel connected to at all. So they actually probably did it pretty well, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're not in the cool industries, right? And so, but so we think the heart doesn't matter, right? This is business money, it's budgets, um, and it's all about the practicality of the goods and services. But what I hear you saying that I, I think is really, and such a great lesson for us all is, hey, if you connect to the heart, right, you can back up into the features and benefits. You can back up into the nug- the details. And I love your question. I hope we all borrow it out there of like, if I were Amazon, what would be in your cart? Like that is the coolest. I've never thought to ask that. That is the coolest question to ask people, like to start that conversation of like what really matters to you. And if you're out there thinking, yeah, but Tamara, you know, I sell paper. What does that have to do with them wanting to be at their kids' soccer games on the weekend? I guarantee you that if you can sell them the right paper to do their job more efficiently and get them out the door faster, you're getting them to their kids' soccer games. So there's a connection everywhere. So I just, I love that story because, um, I think we just, we lose sight of that so easily. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and I think you you get there by, you mentioned it earlier, by asking questions, asking questions, peeling back the onion, all the, we're all an onion, right? And so, and and, and so some of my clients were like, yikes. I mean, I was like, how the heck am I going to peel that onion? Um, Because some are not very, I mean, I'm a very social person and I wear my heart on my sleeve, but some people aren't like that. Um, and so, you know, I remember one time like, oh my God, yes, I packed a smile on him. Like finally, after like five meetings, he finally smiled. Um, but again, it, it's asking the questions and not being afraid. Um, it's, it's digging deep. So I have to tell you, Lizzie, and so I'm going to throw this out there as a challenge to all of us everyday innovators. And I think you already do this. You just said it actually. I make it a practice to try to pull back the layers of the onion on people. And, you know, I'm, you know, and because of the work that I do and you're all over the kind of, you know, around in your community too, I interact with a lot of people who have nothing in like on the surface anyway, in common with me, or we don't come from the same backgrounds or experiences. It happens to me every week, but what I've discovered and you alluded to this is if I just ask the right questions and get to the thing that gets them excited, I can get them talking. And then we can build a connection based on me actually simply being curious about what gets them excited. We don't have to have the same things in common. In fact, not at all. But I'm super excited to hear, Lizzie, what makes you excited. And if I can just find, figure that out, right, then everything else flows. So I don't know if that's kind of how you see it, but I like it as a game. I play a game with myself on this all the time. Yeah, yeah. So what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? So I, and I think I've touched upon it a little bit earlier, but but I think really it's just every day, um, like I, I wake up and like, if you, if you went inside my mind, it's like all over the place. It's like crazy. <laughs> um, but because I'm constantly thinking, what else? What more? How can I make it better? Um, 
what haven't I explored? And so that's both in my careers. Um, and I remember in, back in my economic development days, um, my boss told me, I want you to start a business retention expansion program. Um, or I want you to lead business retention expansion. And so I remember asking, okay, um, is there a binder of, of like, you know, how it's been done in previous years to see how I can tweak it um, and make it better? Well, no, he's like, we've never had one. And so when you think about what that means, and so, um, and I remember in talking with a lot of the companies, initially, my, my, when my first year there, they would tell me, Lizzie, uh, the EDC does so much effort to recruit business, recruit business. Well, what about us? We've been here for 30 years, you know, what is the EDC doing for us? And so um, that really like, you know, just touched me. And so I started from scratch, um, but I had to kind of question, okay, based on what I'm hearing, what else can we do? And so an everyday innovator, like I mean, what I'm constantly doing, whether it's on boards of directors that I've served on, it's, it's what have we done? Has it worked? If yes, then okay, make it better. What hasn't worked? And what new things can we do? And so sometimes it's a challenge because there are people that are very, you know, they're used to doing things a certain way. Um, there are people that don't want to deviate from what has been traditionally done. Um, but if, I, I think it's, it's a matter of what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to, is to enable success for this um, nonprofit organization. The ultimate goal is to enable success for our company, right? And so I'm just always asking what hasn't been done? What else can I do? What else can we do? What new things? Um, and, and so for an everyday innovator, that, that's really it. What more? What else? How better? I love these. I, I just absolutely love these just two word phrases. What more? What else? What better? Like what, what a great, what a great foundation. And to your point about really listening for those opportunities and those nuggets of inspiration. And I think we're too busy talking uh, all too often. And so we miss, we miss those things because we want to show how brilliant we are, how knowledgeable we are. We're humans. That's how we operate, but we miss those opportunities. And I really encourage all of us to start just simply asking what Lizzie asked, which is what more, like what a brilliant two line. I just, I absolutely love that. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start asking myself that every single day, what more tomorrow, what more could I do? Um, and I think what I also love about that Lizzie, and, and I think you've given great examples of is it's not just what more as in what more can I add to my plate? But it's like, what more meaning like what, what space can I pull from? What, what can I create? What can I build? And I just, I think that's so cool. So what on a daily basis, what type of habits or routines or actions do you take to stay innovative and ahead? Sure. So just, I just want to add one quick comment uh, to that. What more? Um, and it's, it's an analogy, but a uh, metaphor, but I think it works right. You know, when we go to drive-through, if you listen to the the lady or the gentleman behind, they tell you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll okay, I'll have the combo number one. What else can I get you? Okay, I'll have a McFlurry. What else can I get you? Okay, I'll have a cookie. What else can I get you? And so the more they, and it's a strategy that they use. But if you pay attention, constantly asking you what more. And so, so many times I've driven up to McDonald's or I've driven up to Chick-fil-A. And I've got one thing that I want to order and I end up ordering five things because the lady or the, the gentleman in the back are constantly asking me what more, what more. So it works. And if we apply that to kind of like going back to, you know, what, what else can I do? What more? And you're right. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. Um, yeah. And I constantly tell myself that. I want to add to that real quick. That 
this the best analogy or metaphor, whichever one it is ever. And I will tell you, it's funny that you say that because a couple of weeks ago when I do long drives, um, like five hours or more, my guilty pleasure is Chick-fil-A. Like I will plan it out because I'm like, I'm on a long drive. I deserve it. And, you know, they say what more or what else, right? And then my pleasure. And then um, it was a Sunday, so Chick-fil-A was closed. And I had to go somewhere else. And the person behind said, is that it? And is that it totally shut me down? I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm good. That's all I need. Right. <laughs> Where when I go to Chick-fil-A, and I will have that, you know, shake at the end. Like, yeah, I do want more. So what a great, like when we're to communicating with people, when we're asking ourselves questions, when we're presenting ideas, what a great thing to remember that on two sides of the spectrum, one is, is that it, which shuts you down? And the other one is what more, what else? And that really opens you up. So that was really, that was great. That really, <laughs> yeah. I think we all need to really think more about how we communicate and how we listen for that. Yeah. 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 So, so sorry. So back to your question, I think it was, uh, what, what do I do every day or I'm yeah, sorry. On a daily basis, how do you, how do you stay innovative in a head? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I love talking to people. Um, if, if I have an opportunity to meet people, I love hearing from them and, and, and I love going beyond the, the surfacey conversation. Um, I think that's kind of our go-to, you know, it's natural when you don't know somebody and you're not going to ask about like, you know, their family or like, what's your greatest fear? <laughs> um, but I really allow my relationships to, I try at least to, to get them to the next level. Um, and those are relationships, both, um, you know, both with friends, both in my career. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of times it's me being transparent. Uh, it's me kind of opening that door to transparency that then I feel um, they return that. And so it, it's funny how, like, you know, how is that connect, connected to innovation? But it's, it's learning more about people. Um, you know, we stay in a very surfacey level regardless of what, you know, it, then, then you stay at that surface level and you can't be innovative. But if you dig deep in relationships um, and learning, I don't have a lot of time to read, but any chance I get, I, I do like reading. Um, one of the books that you know, I love and highly recommend is Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, and it talks about the power of passion and perseverance. Um, and and it, it, it talks about like, it's not so much, yes, your innate talent is important, but more than that, those people that are successful, it's the grit that, that, that they have. Um, and so kind of going back, that that same grit is what allows me to be innovative. And so I try to, you know, stay up to date with some of the news. I try to um, learn more, you know, in this new industry, I'm constantly trying, you know, jumping into this new industry. Well, you know, there, there was like a, a steep learning curve. And so I, I try to learn Um I'm the kind of person that I always feel like I can know more about a subject. I always fear like feel um, like in a way I always feel green, like, Oh, I'm still green. I'm still greeting. There's so much more I can learn. Um, and, and it's not to say that I'm not confident, but it's to say that like, I've got that hunger to learn more. Um, I'm never satisfied with the amount of knowledge that I have. And I always want to know more. Um, and at the same time, it, that goes with relationships too. And I feel that the, the, the more I can learn, uh, the more valuable I can be. And so, again, kind of going back to that TSCC position, that's a complete volunteer position. But they asked me, well, how involved do you want to be? I'm like, as involved as I can possibly be. Because I'm in that term for six years. That's the government appointment term. And in those six years, I don't just want to be there just 
to say I'm part of the board. I want to bring value. And so the, you know, there's, there's finite time. I've got six years to bring the most value that I can bring. And so I can bring the most value if I know more, um, if I ask questions. And so I've done tours of the different campuses and I, 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 I try to ask those questions from the instructors, from the chancellor, from students. And, and I think it's just digging. It's that constantly digging that allows you to be more innovative and, and just having that very humble mindset of there's always more than we can learn. Um, and I think that, you know, that's what helps us grow as people, as professionals. I, I could not agree more. And one of the things I found in my, I think both personal and professional career is that um, making that extra effort to really get to know someone is very rewarding. And there's a lot of great innovation under the surface. It doesn't actually live on the surface. It lives down below, but it's also very rewarding to have those connections that are a little bit more meaningful, even if I never see that person again, because I met him on an airplane, you know, it, it, it is, really, it changes your life and you learn something with, I, I believe that you learn something with every person you interact with. So why wouldn't I want that to be a rich, meaningful conversation? I just, I really, I feel, I, I think that's been one of the biggest joys in my career, actually. And probably why I love the podcast so much, because I just get to learn and hear you talk all the long. It's so good. Um, so as an imaginative tweaker, what advice do you have for everyday innovators of all other types who are looking to really do what you've done, which is not just drive innovation, but make an influence and, and impact change? Mm-hmm. So I, I would say, you know, we always talk about like, think outside the box. Um, well, I question what box, um, why is there a box in the first place? Who said there has to be a box? I mean, when you think about it, like who put us in that box to, for that saying to come out, like think outside the box. And then we have to go outside it. Like it's a whole different place. Right. And so my advice is just remove the box. There, there is no box. Um, remove those parameters. Um, don't be afraid to push the limits. Don't be afraid to break barriers. I think, um, if you look at the people that have done like, you know, just amazing, innovative things, when you, when you think of Steve Jobs and you think of people like Elon Musk, um, Jeff Bezos, I mean, they, they are people that I don't think they were ever inside a box, um, you know, and, and their minds are just going. And so, um, like, my advice is just like, don't don't set parameters for yourself. Um, don't set limits. Uh, push the barriers, push the ceiling. Um, and, and again, like, don't, don't fear failure. I think that's the number one thing. I think failure and rejection really hold us back in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think if if you just, you know, don't let those things inhibit you. And again, kind of going back to, back to that quote, don't fear failure, fear the lack of progress. I think if you adopt that mindset, um, it, it really allows you the space to, you know, to try things and to give yourself grace if you do fail. We all fail. It's not if, it's when. It's when we fail. And so I think just acknowledging that, that it's going to be when. Um, And like the other thing I like to think about is we always talk about, I mean, we all would love to be at the summit of the mountain, whether it be in our career, in our relationships, in our life in general, just being at that summit. Um, But when we really think about it, it, it's where do you learn the most? Where do you grow the most as a person, as a professional? It's during that climb. It's everything that you face as you're climbing that mountain to get there. It's, it's in the journey where you grow and you learn. Um, and I'll give a, a simple example. I, I used to run marathons before I had my baby. 
Um, I ran five marathons and I remember that first marathon. I thought it was, you know, it was impossible. I thought what crazy person runs 26 miles just for the heck of it. Um, and so I remember that it was through that journey, through that training that, um, I learned of, of my capacity. And I learned that if, if I commit to it, if I trust the process. If I make time for it, then I can achieve that goal. But it was through that journey that I, I grew, you know, my discipline grew. Um, I was healthier. I was just, um, but it was that journey. It, it wasn't at the finish line. Um, the finish line was like the reward, but it was that journey. And so I would, I want to remind people like, yeah, that, that, that journey is where you learn and you grow as a person. And so as an imaginative, you know, always question, you know, we've been talking about it, just always question what, what more, what else? Um, and as a tweaker too, you know, things, there's always room for improvement. And I always tell me that's something that I live by. Like, um, and I always joke because some people go, oh, you should write a book. I'm like, I would never finish writing a book because I would always be editing because I could always make it better. <laughs> um, and that's my thing. Um, but I'm always like, I always tell people, um, you know, whether it be on charity boards, um, you know, there's always room for improvement personally and, and, and everything. And so, um, and, and when I say that, it's not to discredit work that you've done, that I've done. It's just saying there's room for improvement and there should be, um, because unless you're God, you know, we're, we're not perfect. And so my advice would be, um, you know, just it, it embrace the tweaking. And, and I think it's, it's through that continuous um, improvement process that you create masterpieces. And isn't it fair to say in that journey, Lizzie, that let's go back to the marathons for a second, that the first marathon probably was a lot harder than the third one in terms of your mental grit, your ability to deal with it, your fitness level, your speed, just knowledge of how a race works on the race day. I think we sometimes forget that the first experience isn't the last experience and it's going to get easier, but we have to expect it to be harder in the beginning. Is that, is that kind of how it unfolded for you? Yes. Yes. Um, and, and so like, I don't know if it gets easier or, or if we get stronger, you know, um, Great point. It, it could be that, um, you know, there's this, I, I, I love kind of like quotes and there's this quote that I read. It said, um, you never knew how strong you are or, you never, you never knew how strong you were until being strong was the only option you had. Um, and, and I have applied that for, uh, you know, just personal challenges that I've had in, in my personal life, um, challenges that have hit, hit me hard. Um, and you think at that moment that you're just, you're not going to come out of that one. Um, and then somehow you, you, you seek that inner strength that you didn't know was there. Um, but, you know, in, in desperate moments, you know, desperation sometimes breeds ingenuity and, and just, um, but you, you, you get a load of that. And so, yeah, so yeah, that first one was, you don't know what to expect. It's scary. It's very scary because it's unknown. Um, and I remember you, you get to a fork where you can either go the half marathon route or you can go the full marathon route. And I remember thinking at one point, well, part of me wanted, I had trained for the full marathon, but I was afraid of failing. I was so tired. And I was like, well, I trained for the full marathon, but what if I don't finish? Then I'm going to feel like a failure. So what if I take that left and go towards the half marathon? But there was like, you know, it was like, like many seconds of like, you know, do I turn left? Do I turn right? And I was like, okay, but you trained for the full. But there was a part of me that was afraid of failing and was afraid of taking a right for the full and not finishing it. And I knew that if I took a left in my mind, I was going to finish it for sure because I could do, you know, the half marathon. But I took a right and I was like, okay, you know, 
if you have to finish crawling, that's fine. You finished it. <laughs> so even if I crawled through the finish line, um, I was able to keep jogging. Um, but it, it's scary. It's unknown. But, you know, I, like you said, it, it, it does get easier because you become more familiar. Um, you, you grow more confident. Yeah. You know what you're you in for. But I really appreciate what you said. It doesn't get easier. You get stronger. So you, you just, those challenges that were challenges before maybe become easier, but you face new challenges. So I, I, that is a great way to end this. You, it doesn't get easier. You get stronger. That is, we're going to drop the mic on that one. And I'm going to ask you one last personal question to close out, which is what's something we'd be surprised to learn about you? Um, well, let's see. Um, I studied abroad in Australia. Well, Duke Dancing Devil. So people always ask me, when you were at Duke, did you ever go see the basketball games? And so those are for you that are NCAA uh, basketball fans, Duke fans, uh, which I'm devastated that Coach K this last year. But anyway, people would always ask me, like, you know, did you go see the basketball games? I'm like, oh, of course. I was at every home game because I was a Duke Dancing Devil. So I didn't have to camp out uh, Shusheskiville where you live outside in tents even when it's snowing. I come from South Texas. I could never <laughs> survive that. Um, but yeah, so I got to go to all the home basketball games. It was so exciting. Uh, we did, um, you know, we did the competition, NDA competition, Daytona. We actually made it to top 10 and we weren't on ESPN. So that was exciting. Um, it's the other thing I studied abroad in Australia and I, you know, I would never go to Australia and I was there for a semester and went back to visit twice. And so, um, I'll probably never make it back there at this point with, with the baby and, you know, but, um, but that was real exciting. It was an exciting time to be across the world in a you know, beautiful place. Yeah, Australia. Well, I haven't been. It's on my list. I haven't been there yet. I have to say, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us. I know that people are driving in their cars and they're taking mental notes and they're pulling over to write stuff down and just got so much out of this. And I just, I have to tell you, you know, personally, I've been in a little bit of a motivational slump the last couple of days and it happens, right? We ebb and flow. But I feel like this conversation has pulled me out of that slump and it really reinforced to me the importance of spotlighting everyday innovators like you who are out there doing these incredible things as a reminder that we're all, we're all out here trying to do it, right? We're all, but we need, I think sometimes we need that tug from somebody else to help just, you know, get us to the place we need to be. And whether that's, we need insight, we need support, we need motivation. Um, so thank you. I feel like, whoa, I'm out of my slump. Like I can physically feel it. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, and, and thank you tomorrow because it's funny how that works because a couple of years ago, I think it was four or five years ago, um, I was working for Shatter Electric and you were one of the speakers at one of yeah. the trainings that it we had. Sales and that thing. Yeah. A little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a rut and your talk on innovation and, and, and your talk on kind of finding our, our power triggers and leveraging them. That helped me five, six years ago when you were the speaker. So it's awesome that it kind of came full circle. So yeah. thank you. And thank you. Well, for thank you. This is like, I love it. It's like, we just paid it back to each other. It's so good. <laughs> Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, 
bigger impact. Until next time.